Welcome to our Holden Village podcast. For over 50 years now, Holden Village has traveled a rich history of faith that has transformed a copper mining town into a vibrant place of education, programming, and worship. Holden has sought to welcome all who seek contemplation and community in the remote wilderness of the beautiful Cascade Mountains. We continue to invite people of all ages to come alongside our rhythms, which inspire and equip travelers for a sustainable life of faith outside the village. And we continue to listen and reflect on our story and history and seek to discover our place in God's creative mission in our world. Our podcasts are a way of sharing our conversations with our teaching faculty around reformation, the reforming of our relationships with the earth with each other, and with a divine. Let's tune in and join the conversation. Hi, my name is David Cannon. I'm a professor of political science at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, and I've been here at Holden Village this week talking about the topic of polarization in American politics. And in the context of the theme for this summer of Fear Not, it seems to me that, that this topic is especially appropriate because American politics, I think, has been really driven by fear in the last two years. First, in the election of Donald Trump in 2016, that campaign was based largely on fear of making voters afraid of things like immigrants coming from Mexico to take their jobs, from our commitments overseas that were putting us in a weakened position and fear from, from terrorism abroad. And I think even more fundamentally, a, a class-based kind of argument of especially like white working class people like losing their, their place in the economic world. So Donald Trump was able to, to win this surprising victory by tamping into those kinds of, of fears. And so people were afraid when they supported Donald Trump for those variety of reasons. Now, since the election, I think it's been people more on the left of the American political spectrum who now have also been afraid. They're afraid of the, the damage <clears throat> being done to the environment, to our relations with our allies overseas, to the progress we'd been making on, on race relations, which now uh, I think are, are really have been damaged in the, the last 18 months. And so fear is driving political sentiments on, on both sides. And I think this has led to, uh, or at least contributed to, this polarization we see in American politics right now, which I think is one of the fundamental problems that we face, because people across the partisan divide really don't talk to each other much anymore. And this is true not only of our political leaders, where it used to be that Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill would socialize with each other, their families knew each other, they would you know, do things together outside of, of Washington. Well, that, that's not true anymore. And Democrats and Republicans you know, rarely uh, are on a friendly basis. It's, it's the exception uh, really today that that happens at all. But it's also happening now, not only in Washington, but it's happening more in the everyday life as well, just with regular American citizens, where um, more and more people are isolated from people who disagree with them politically. And there's the old adage that, you know, in polite company, you don't talk about three things, money, religion, and politics. Well, you know, here at Holden, we've been talking about two of those three anyway, and I hope it's been kind of a polite discussion, but it is something we need to, to talk more about, certainly, is, you know, how have we gotten to this point? Why is polarization so deep in American politics today? 
Uh, and then what are some things we can can do about it? So the the one thing I, I talked about in one of the first discussions uh, about polarization was to point out that some of the things we think about American politics with polarization really uh, aren't quite as, as straightforward as they seem. That while it's true that the political elites in this country are, are deeply polarized and more so than they have been perhaps ever in American history, the American public is not as deeply polarized as our leaders. And that gives me hope um, that the public will put enough pressure on our leaders to, to start working together in a more cooperative, bipartisan fashion. Because most people in the country don't like gridlock. They don't like the kind of partisan bickering we're seeing in Washington. And they would prefer that our, our leaders do work together to solve our problems. And so m most Americans are much more moderate on issues than our political leaders, that they're much more centrist. They're not extreme liberals or extreme conservatives. They are, they're more in the middle. And if you look at public opinion polling anyway about the, the mass public, you do see a, a greater range of people from left to right within both parties. So there are more moderate and even fairly liberal Republicans. Uh, there are moderate and fairly conservative Democrats in the mass public, whereas you don't see that among our political leaders. So again, that gives me hope that if when you have that greater ideological diversity in partisan terms in the mass public, then maybe eventually we'll be able to put pressure on our leaders to behave in a more bipartisan fashion as well. Um, so another thing that I talked about uh, as well is trying to explain you know, how we got to this point. It's, it's clearly not just Donald Trump. This has been going on for quite a while in American politics before 2016. I would say there, there are at least uh, four different explanations that political scientists have, have pointed to. Um, the first is the, the nature of the mass media today and how we consume our news. Uh, when I was growing up uh, in the 1960s and 70s, you know, we had three television networks. The national news was on ABC, NBC, and CBS, and that was it. And there was a, a, a very homogenizing, moderating force on American politics that that's how everybody got their news, was through these three you know, fairly moderate, centrist uh, national news networks. Well, now the news media is much more segmented, and you have you know Fox on the right, MSNBC on the left, and, and many other you know uh, cable options in between. And you throw on top of that the, the internet, which is even more segmented uh, by ideology and by political views. And what you have today is instead of people consuming their news through those three kind of centrist moderate outlets, now people go to the much more extreme websites that agree with their own political views and that that's only reinforcing what they already believe and it's not challenging any of their political views. It's not broadening them to think about other political perspectives that are out there. And so that, too, puts us into these ideological silos that, that become more hardened and make it harder for us to talk to each other across the partisan divide. That, I think, is one of the biggest contributing factors to uh, polarization in American politics. Um, and so uh, the second thing, then, in, in addition to that segmentation, is that the Internet contributes to polarization in another way, which is the way that search en engines work. That when you search for something on, on Google or, or any other uh, you know, search engine, you end up being directed to places based on your browsing history. And so you know, when you're shopping for a pair of shoes or you're you know, looking to... You know, go somewhere on a vacation. You know, the, the the search engine will know the kinds of places you've been before, and they'll send you in those directions. Now, when you're you know doing something like 
you know, buying something, that's great. It makes it more efficient. It saves us all time. Uh, it's, you know, it's a good thing to have. But when it comes to politics, it's a bad thing because they will also send you to sites that they think you want to go to and will not direct you to anything that challenges your views. So if you're a political conservative and you type in uh, climate change, it'll send you to one set of sites. But if you're a liberal, type in climate change, it'll send you to a totally different uh, set of, of sites. And so that really also contributes to this kind of polarization. So the third explanation then for polarization has to do with the nature of our polarized elites. The fact that the people running for office <clears throat> are much more polarized, um, that they will campaign in terms that are much more extreme than the views that the public holds. And so as voters, we're forced into picking between two alternatives, often that don't reflect our views. Uh, and so that, that's something that, that also is contributing polarization is that we have to respond to these views that are, are being put out there by our political leaders that are more extreme than the views that we hold. And finally, the fourth explanation is something that uh, uh, sociologists and, and other people who study uh, sort of patterns of, of where people live and move have pointed out a, a phenomenon called geographic sorting. And that is that increasingly over the last couple of decades, people have moved to neighborhoods where they are living with like-minded people. And so people who are politically conservative are much more likely to live in the suburbs um, than in the, the inner city of an urban area. Uh, and that is true both ways. Liberals will be more likely to live <clears throat> in the inner city then. And so this geographic sorting also contributes to polarization because you have more homogenous uh, electoral areas then that elect politicians that would be more extreme based on that more homogenous uh, population. So those are the, the various explanations that political scientists have given for why we have polarization. And in terms, of the, so the, the other thing to to talk about, and we addressed this in the second talk that I gave, is you know what can be done about this, and what can be done to try to change the the level of polarization in, in politics. And there are a variety of things that can be done just at the individual level. And so as voters in the political system as responsible citizens, we have a duty not only to be involved in politics and informed about politics, but to try to become informed about the alternative perspectives. So don't just go to the websites that you agree with. Try to understand the, the views that you disagree with. Um, and then that, use that in your everyday life then to reach out to people that may disagree with you on things and try to, to start dialogues. Because unless we start addressing this in our own personal lives, it's going to be really hard to, to change it on a national level. So that's something I think that each one of us can do to, to some extent. Um, the, the second thing, and this is a more of an institutional fix, has to do with the second topic I talked about, which is redistricting. That another contributing factor to polarization is the way we draw our district lines. Um, that we tend to have more homogenous uh, districts because the parties have an interest in drawing lines that reelect incumbents. Well, if we had a more nonpartisan process of, of drawing district lines, by a bipartisan commission or by you know, people who aren't the, the politicians who will be affected by redistricting, that would address another uh, aspect of, of polarization, which is how we elect our, our political leaders. Um, and then finally, I think having uh, the, the media uh, try to, to have you know, more of a balanced approach, something like you know, on PBS NewsHour, they always try to have you know, both perspectives. 
on that new show. So that became more of a model for how the news media presented news that would, would clearly help address this uh, problem as well. So those are some of the kinds of things we were, we're talking about this week. Uh, we also uh, will, we're talking uh, tonight about the 2018 midterm elections and kind of looking forward to uh, how those elections could play a role in reshaping the, the contours of American politics. It's going to be a very competitive set of elections, both in the, the House and the Senate. And right now, forecasters are saying there's about a 50-50 chance Democrats could retake the House, which would clearly alter the political landscape in some important ways in, in Washington. So again, one of the most important things I think that we can do as citizens uh, about the, the mess we face right now in Washington is to stay informed, stay involved, and make sure you vote. So thanks a lot, and uh, it was good talking with you. Thanks for joining us for another Holden Village podcast. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.